This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Jason Burns and Access Church in Lakeland, Florida. For more information, visit access.tv. And so today we are actually ending our series entitled, I Promise. Everybody say, I Promise. Come on, it's been a joy of mine to lead us through this series. We've been talking the past few weeks about some of the promises of God. And, man, what do they mean for us? How can we see God in a new, fresh way? And so today we're going to do that again. I got another one for you. Let's pray and then let's make it happen in here. Lord, we love you. Thank you for our time together. I pray that you would speak to us, challenge us, so that when we leave, we are better than when we came in. We love you. In Jesus', in Jesus name, everyone said amen. amen. All right, so in 1997, MasterCard had a bright idea to unleash this advertising campaign. And so they said, we want to unleash this. It's going to be called Priceless. And the slogan that they chose was this. They said, there are some things money can't buy. For everything else, there's MasterCard. You heard this before? I've heard this so many times, but it started in 1997. And MasterCard is right. Like, there are some things that money can't buy. Money can't buy genuine friendships. And today, if you have a friend in your life that's really a near and dear friend to you, you know this, that doesn't matter how much money you have in your bank account, they are your friend. And so, and, and all of us, we need that. We need people in our life. Money can't buy you time, more time. We all have 24 hours in a day, and so it doesn't matter how much money you have, you still have the same amount of time that we all have. You, you can't buy that. You can't buy character. Money can't buy character. And our pastor has taught us this before, that money, all it is, is just a magnifier. So if you're a dumb person and you get some more, can I say that in church? Can I say dumb? But if you're a dumb person and you get a lot of money, you're just going to be a rich, dumb person. Like if you are a, an evil person and you get some money, you're just going to be a rich, evil person. Like you, if you're a generous person and you get some money, you're just going to be an even more generous person because there are some things that money can't buy. There's so many things, but today I, I thought about this. Money can't buy peace. Uh, it doesn't matter how much money that you have, it can't buy peace. So I want to talk just for a second, uh, just for the next few minutes that we have today, about the promise of peace. Week one, we talked about the promise of security. Last week, we talked about the promise in God of direction. Today, I want to talk to you about the promise of peace. So now let's start here. What, what is... What, what isn't peace? What, what is peace not? Peace is not the absence of trouble. So many of us think that, man, if, if I wouldn't have this, this thing in my life, this trouble that I'm going through, that, man, my life would be peaceful. But can I tell you, peace is not the absence of trouble. Peace isn't more money. And now everyone's like, man, I want to try it out. Give me some money. I'll see if I'm... <laughs> But, but, but having more money, man, that, that's not sure. You'd be peace, you'd have peace for a little while, but, but not really. Like, you wouldn't have true peace. That's not what peace is. Peace is not fame. Oh, if everybody knew me, if they knew my name. In fact, that would probably clout your life a lot more. People, a lot of more people knew who you were. And peace is not the right circumstances. Now, here's the deal. I don't know what you think about when you think of peaceful circumstances or the right circumstances. Here's what I envision. I envision this right here, Atlantis in Nassau, Bahamas. To me, this is peaceful. I, I, this, is what I, this is what I think. I think of the water and the music going and the culture. And I don't know if you've ever been to Atlantis in Nassau, Bahamas, but I have. And it, it's just awesome. This is, when I think of peace, this is what I think of. And it, it's so beautiful. But this is not peace. In our Bibles, there's two main words 
for peace. And I want to just look at those real quick as we begin. The first one is from the Old Testament. It's shalom. Everybody say shalom. shalom. Yeah, shalom. This, this word, some scholars say, is used approximately 250 times in the Old Testament, which is the books of Genesis to Malachi. And there's kind of three primary reasons why someone would use the word shalom or peace. Number one, it was like a farewell or a greeting with someone. Number two, it was used to, to describe a relationship, a friendship that was free of stress and tension and, 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 and all of that. It was just, that's how they described a relationship. Then the third one was this. It was just like general well-being, overall well-being, that somebody is, is doing well. They're prospering. There's this completeness and this wholeness. That's in the Old Testament. Then in the New Testament, the books of Matthew through Revelation, we see this other word, irene. Irene. And this, this has a different connotation. It's, it's used to describe things that are broken or separated or divided, and they're joined together. They're bound together, where separate parts come together as one. So just for a moment, I want you to imagine with me that, that, that our life is comprised, think of like a puzzle, right? There's just these different pieces. And when you get a puzzle in a box, they're, they're not together and there's these different pieces. And it's a lot like our life, right? Like over here we have our financial stuff and over here we have our family stuff. We have our mental stuff. We have cultural and societal stuff. We have all this stuff going on. And sometimes it, it feels like our lives are going in a thousand different directions. But, but then as you put the puzzle together and as you piece the puzzle together, that's actually the picture of peace. Doesn't mean that I'm not touched by the tragedies and, and the trials of life. It's just as if my life, things are, are, are put the way that they were supposed to be. That is a good picture of peace. This is actually where we get our word for serenity or, or serene. This is what peace is. And here's what I believe. I believe from God's word, God offers us the promise of peace. That in a world where it seems like everything is going here, there, and everywhere, and it's tempted to feel chaotic, it's tempted, and we're tempted to feel like, like our life is in all places at all times, God offers us the promise of peace. I think the true peace is kind of like three-dimensional. I, I see peace in, in three areas, and I want to unpack those this morning. I, I think that true peace, and I want to show you, is, is peace firstly with God. That's peace with God, if we're going to have true peace, if we're going to experience peace, it begins with peace with God, not the peace of God. We'll talk about that in a few minutes, but, but peace with God. And so the Apostle Paul, he writes uh, a book uh, called Romans, and we just were in a, a message series about it, and it was incredible. It was awesome. But in chapter 5, he begins by saying this, therefore, since we have been justified, so we've been made right, we've been declared righteous, through faith, we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is not the peace of God. Hold this here. It's not the peace of God. This is peace with God. And, and, and I love that he uses these words. He's saying that the first benefit of those that call themselves believers, those that have put their faith and their trust and their hope in the Lord, the first benefit of that is that we have peace with God. What does that mean? It means that our sin and our mistakes put distance between us and God. It's often said in church that, that, that sin separates. And we say that because our sin, our wrongdoings, the areas that we fall short, whether we meant to or maybe we didn't even mean to, anything short of where God would have us, the mark that God would have for us, puts distance between us and God. But because of Jesus, we have peace with God. 
Jesus was the great bridge between us and our sin and God the Father. And Jesus comes. And I love that. Paul writes in Ephesians 2.14 that he himself, talking about Jesus, he himself is our peace. Oh, that he's, he's torn down the wall of hostility. He's broken the barrier. He's the, the person that makes two things, two groups become one. He's talking about Jews and Gentiles, those that were born of Jewish heritage and those that weren't. It's Jesus that is the common denominator. So let me say it like this. True peace is found in Jesus. True peace with God is found in Jesus. And maybe you haven't you put your faith and your trust, your life in the Lord's hands. We'll have an opportunity for you to do that later. But for those of us that have already, man, peace, true peace can be experienced when we know that, man, peace with God, that's the first thing. And that fuels everything else. I love this. Jesus, uh, he was giving this masterful teaching towards the end of his life. And he knows that the end is coming for him. He knows that his disciples are going to feel anything but peace because he knows that, that he is going to be crucified. Then they're going to be tempted to go in different uh, directions, different areas. They're no longer going to have their Lord, their leader in their life. And so he says this to them, I've told you these things. In other words, these things are the things that he taught them. He said, I, I've told you these things. All the stuff I've been teaching you, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Can you imagine the disciples? Oh, thank you, Jesus. That sounds great. That's, that's very encouraging. And to all of us today, it's like, okay, like, all right, we're going to have trouble. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. In other words, Jesus was saying this, listen, I've already won. You're going to win, but your peace comes through me. When your life feels like it's separated and divided and going this way and going that way, in me, you will have peace. And I love that about what the Lord says here. So it begs the question, then what does peace with God look like every day? Because this sounds great, and this preaches great, but the reality is that what does peace with God look like every day? Let me give you a few things. Number one, my sins are forgiven. Now, I thought you'd be a little bit more excited about that. I, I thought, so, so, so I came ready and I came prepared. And I want you to think for just a moment, who were you before Christ? What were you into before Jesus came into your life. Some of us maybe are in that seat right now. What, was, what, what kind of person were you? And for those of us seemingly, seemingly that were born in church, even us, we're not exempt from this. All of us have sinned. The Bible says that we've all sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. But here's what I came to let you know. My sins are forgiven. When I put my faith, my trust, my hope in the Lord, I have peace with God. And you know what that means? That means there's nothing separating us. My sins are forgiven. That's what I thought. I, I, I love this because you have to realize this, that, that when we come to faith in Jesus, our sins are erased. God has lifted our mistakes. He doesn't erase my future because of my past. My sins are forgiven. We celebrated that today through baptism. All of these people, what we were saying when we were dunking them in the water, and, and it was warm. Thank God it was warm this morning. I checked it for them. Yeah. So anyway, when they were dunked out, what, what, what we were saying is that their past was dead, buried, and gone. And then as they came up, they're raised to new life. They are made new. And this is what happens. This is what peace with God is. Oh, that God has so much more in front of me than what's behind me. So sometimes it's good to come to church and just remember where you were before God saved your life. This is what peace with God looks like. It looks like that when I confess my sin to him, 
Oh, he takes it away and he chooses to remember it no more. Sometimes it's good to just have a, a little look in the rearview mirror of your life to just see it. But then number two is this, my soul is content. Peace with God every day means this, that my soul is content. So I'm not stressing or striving or trying to work for a whole bunch of stuff. My soul is content. The, the real person, the truest person of who I am, my soul is content in who I am in God. And I know that when I've accepted him into my life, the Holy Spirit comes into my life and he leads me, he guides me, he directs me. And so my soul is content. This is what peace with God looks like. It doesn't mean that life still doesn't happen to me. It doesn't mean that everything is just so good. And so it just means that my soul is unbothered because I have peace with God. And thirdly, check this out. My song keeps playing. Have you ever had a song stuck in your head? Sometimes, depending on what song that is, that's so annoying. It's like no matter what you go through in life, it's like I keep hearing this song, and I don't want to hear this song. But then sometimes, you know, you get a good song stuck in your head. And sometimes, like there are certain songs that seem, seemingly carry us through a season or they carry us through a time, and maybe you've experienced a bad breakup, and then you put on a song, and it's like all the lyrics were for you. But then it's like once you went through that breakup, every time you hear that song, you think of that person, and it's like not good. It's like, tell me how I'm supposed to breathe with no air. All right, anyway, <laughs> not the no. I had to. But here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. I mean that, that there's like a, something in your soul that just, just keeps going. It doesn't matter what's happening on the outside. It just keeps going. So for you, maybe it's not a literal song, but maybe in, in a moment, like maybe you heard a preacher or, or somebody uh, influential to you say something that was so instrumental and influential to you at a certain moment, and it just kind of has stuck with you. Maybe you read a verse of the Bible in and, and a trying time, and then it just, it seemingly like goes with you through the rest of your life. And this is what I mean by this, that like peace with God means that, that, that my song keeps playing, that, that whatever God has put on the inside of me just keeps going. It doesn't matter what's happening, but I feel peace. Life isn't perfect, but it's like God's peace has just kind of put it all together. I have peace with God, true peace. We're going to, if you want to experience that, it's peace with God. Now here it is. Here's the second area. It's peace with others. Peace with God, it, it tends to fuel my peace with other people. And Jesus, in probably his greatest sermon, said this, Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. I love this. Blessed, 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 blessed. How do you say it? I don't know. Blessed. Let's go with Blessed. Okay, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Hold this here. What I want you to see, I highlight this word for our understanding this morning, that peacemakers used as a noun. This is the only time it's used as a noun in the New Testament, the books of Matthew through Revelation. Jesus says that blessed are the peacemakers. What are the peacemakers? The peacemakers are people that bring shalom. They bring peace to other people. They're people that stand in the middle of two or more parties and they bring reconciliation. Jesus said, blessed are these people. These people are blessed and they're going to be called children of God. What I want you to see is that's not how we become uh, children of God. We become children of God by having our faith, our trust, our hope in Jesus. But a distinguishing factor, a distinguishing characteristic of those that follow Jesus is that every room they go into, they bring peace. That in a world that's it's kind of crazy. They bring peace. They do the active work of creating peace between people. Jesus said these people 
are children of me. God said that. True peace, peace with others, it's the heart of God. Yeah, true peace is, it's, it's peace with God. There's nothing between God and I, but, but it's also peace with others. And true peace with other people, this is the heart of God. I came here to share something with you that, that people are the worst. You'll catch it. You'll get people uh, are the worst. It, it only takes you about five minutes from leaving church to realize that people are the They are. It takes one ride down I-4, and uh, you realize that people are the worst. Man, tomorrow you'll go to work on Monday morning, and you, man, you're ready for the day, and somebody says one wrong thing, and you realize people are the, they're the worst. <laughs> people are the best, but people, no doubt, are the where people are angry and mean and spiteful and hurtful and people instigate problems. People, people, sometimes they're just the worst. In 2012, the movie director, Christopher Nolan, he finished off his trilogy of the Batman movies with The Dark Knight Rises. Now everyone's like, why are we talking about Batman? Hold on, just hold on with me. But in this, if you don't know, like Bruce Wayne, who's a regular guy, he turns into Batman, but, but he has this butler. He's very wealthy. He has this butler, and, and Alfred says to him at one point, because they're studying this new adversary that Batman has that he had never seen before, and so he's trying to study his tactics and who he really is and, and, and who's this, this new guy named Bane on the scene that Batman had never seen. And Alfred says to Batman, some men just want to watch the world burn. Because some men don't care about anything. They just want to wreak havoc on life because people are the... All right. So here's what's easy. It's easy in a world where people are the worst and people are just messed up and broken and hurtful and angry, bitter. It's easy to sit on the sidelines of life, just let people duke it out and just let them handle their business and, and let me just stay over here and let everyone just do their thing. Jesus reminds us that the peacemakers, they come into those situations to those broken, hurtful people, and they create peace. God's heart is that people would be at peace. And I love that. This is what he says. He says that blessed are those people. Those are children of God. When they walk into situations where people are the worst, and they do, they do the hard work, the active work of creating peace within people. The Apostle Paul later on in, in our Bibles would talk so much about living peaceably with those around you. He says at one point, man, do whatever, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with those around you. This is true peace. It's, it's peace with God and it's peace with those around me. Peace. And it doesn't mean that, that everything's going to always be perfect, but I'm doing my best to put everything together, put the pieces that were divided and separated and broken together. And there's a freedom in that when you begin to live like that. There's a freedom and, and when you begin to, to live with this kind of peace with other people. When, when I do that, I'm free to do two things. Number one, I'm free to love people. When I understand that my mission with, with people, with that boss, with that teenager, with that person, whoever it may be, and I'm free to love people. My mom would always say that you don't have to like everybody, but you got to love everybody. But when I live with this freedom that that this is what God's called me to be, a peacemaker. Man, I'm free to love people, and it doesn't matter what they do to me. They can't mess with my peace. I'm a child of God. This is what I'm called to. I'm, 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 literally, being, I'm literally living out 
the heart of God. I'm free to love people. And then number two, I love this. I'm called to serve them. I'm free to serve them. There's a freedom in that, being at peace with other people because I can love them, though I may not like them. I can still love them, and it's them before me. I can honor them and show them respect, but then I can, I can serve them. And family, can I tell you, we don't look more like Jesus than when we serve. And it's hard sometimes to serve people that we just want to slap <laughs> because people are the, they're the worst. But there's a, it's hard. I heard that, sister. <laughs> but there's a freedom in that. And the freedom is this, that, man, I can, I can serve other people. You know, a mark that you're a healthy person is that you're serving other people. Because you're only healthy when you're, like, people who are focused on me, 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 and my stuff, and what can I get, and what's in it for me, those people are not healthy. A mark of a healthy person is somebody that says, hey, I'm, I'm here to serve other people. Are you getting that this morning? This is true peace. This is how everything seemingly comes together. Things that were divided and broken and, and separated, they come together. When we know this, that, that we have peace with God. We have peace with others. And check this out. I love this. We have peace with ourselves. Oh, this is true peace, that, that we would have peace with ourselves. I love this. The Apostle Paul, he writes so much of the New Testament. We've been really sitting in it this, this, whole, this whole summer. But he writes the, this, this set of verses that I have to read for you today because I think it will really help us have peace with ourselves. And some of us, we walked in and, and really, to be honest, the, the most frightening sight that you could see is looking in the mirror because you don't like what you see. Uh, but I think that these verses will help us have peace with ourselves. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. I love this. I'm reading from the God's Word translation. I love it out of here. It says, never worry about anything. Are you worried about something today, church? Something got your attention. He says, never worry about anything. But in every situation, let God know what you need in prayers and requests while giving thanks. Then, we saw this last week, there's always a premise and then there's a promise with God. Then God's peace, which goes beyond anything that we can imagine, will guard your thoughts and emotions through Christ Jesus. Now, give me that slide, the first one. He says this, never worry about anything. I, I highlighted these because you, you got to get some of this, that, that worry. This word worry is tied to anxiety and anxiousness, that feeling. What it means to be, is to be like drawn in different areas, drawn in different places, to be distracted, to be divided. And isn't that how worry works? Isn't that how anxiety works? We're, we're drawn here. What am I going to do about this situation? What am I going to do about that situation? What am I going to do here? What am I going to do with my kids? What am I going to do about my money? And all of this stuff is to be drawn apart, to be divided, to be distracted. And that's what it is. But he said, don't worry about anything. So if we're worried, that means it's time to pray. <laughs> so let me say it like this. If it's worrying time, it's prayer time. Pastor Isaiah, how much, what, what do I need to pray about? Think about whatever you're worried about, and that's what you pray about. He says, don't worry about anything. But in every situation, let God know what you need in prayers and requests. So we ought to pray to God while giving thanks. God can handle what you need. Moreover, God wants us to tell him what we need. But we, we have to get to that place where we're sharing openly with him. God, this is what I need in prayers and requests while giving thanks. Paul understood this. 
that everything's always better with Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is like bacon. I said that. You can quote me on it. Thanksgiving is like bacon because everything is better with bacon in it. I mean, you could put bacon in like mashed potatoes, bacon and eggs, greens and bacon, like green beans. Come on. Like, can we agree that everything is better with bacon in it? Thank you. But he says, as we're giving these things, as we're giving these these prayers and requests to the Lord, give him thanks. So, God, I honor you. And, God, I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you that even though I may not see it, I don't feel like I have peace. God, I'm praying for you because I'm praying to you so you can give me peace. And we pray until the peace comes. Are you worried about something today? Pray. Something heavy on your mind or on your heart? Pray. If I can worry about it, I can pray about it. If it's big enough to keep me up at night and I can't sleep and get good rest, it's big enough to pray about it. Does this make sense? And when we do this, here's the promise, the peace of God. Oh, that, that's what comes through next. Show me that slide one more time. The peace of God. Let me go back. The peace of God. Philippians 4, 6, yes. Give me the next one. There we go. Yeah, it's the peace of God. And I love this. It says it goes beyond anything that we can imagine. How do I have peace with myself? Man, I, I let God's peace come in. And what begins to happen is the Prince of Peace comes into our lives. He comes into our hearts and our situations. And he begins to pull things together. And it's not that when I pray everything is fixed on the dot and and everything is fixed like like right then and there. But it's just I have this inner sense that everything is going to be okay. And God is at work in my life and in my circumstance, in my situation, pulling things together. And it doesn't mean that everything is going to be perfect, but it just means that, that I have calm in the chaos of life that I feel tranquility in the turbulence of life, that, that everything's going to be okay because God's peace, it comes together. And I love this. He said it's going to guard your thoughts and your emotions through Christ Jesus. And some translations say it will guard our hearts and our minds. Why? Because what does the enemy attack? Our hearts and our minds. What does the enemy attack? Our thoughts and our emotions. And I should have highlighted this word guard because this word guard means it stands on guard. In other words, it doesn't let anything that shouldn't be in, in. It keeps it out. But then everything that needs to stay in that we don't want to leave, it keeps it in. Does this make sense? So when we do this, oh, man, that's when the peace of God comes to us. We can have true peace today. You and I, we can experience true peace. It starts with being at peace with God. That flows to peace with others. And then I can have peace with myself. Here it is, true peace with ourselves is possible through prayer. Yeah, it's possible through prayer. As I pray, as I begin to give God my doubts and my fears and my worries, my frustration, all of these things, he then comes in and he gives me peace. And I keep praying until the peace comes. And if I feel like I've prayed five times and I haven't gotten the peace, I keep praying. Because the promise is that the peace will come to us. I think we have a lot of problems in our life because we worry too much. Our attention, our, our affections, the stuff that we focus on is just like it's drawn in different directions. It's divided. It's, it's scattered. It's distracted. I don't, I don't think we probably pray enough. We don't cultivate attitudes of gratitude as we're praying. It's always got to do this and fix this and move this and change this and punch this person, like whatever it may be for us. 
And then we don't trust him. We don't let his peace come into us and save us and help us. But today you can experience that peace. Doesn't matter what you're walking through or fighting or facing, you can experience that. So here's the challenge for today in our few moments left together. Here's the challenge. Let peace rule. You want a challenge? You want, you want something that you can take and hold on to this week? You got to let peace rule. You got to let it rule. Let God's peace rule you. Paul writes this letter to the church at Colossae. Chapter 3, verse 15, he says this, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you are called to peace. This is, this is what you're called. This is, man, a Christian's life should be marked by peace. This is what you're called to. Oh, yeah, and be thankful because everything's better when you're thankful. But he says to let, the, you have to let it. Sometimes we're praying and, and we, we've dumped everything we can on the Lord and we're saying, okay, God, help me. But then he's, all right, would you let me do my thing? Would you let me speak to you? Would you let me talk to you? Would you let me help you in a situation? We have to let that rule. And I love this word rule. This means to govern, to divine, to, to, uh, to govern. Another word for this here is to umpire. And you know what an umpire does. They make the final call. They say that somebody's in or out. They tell you if you're playing the game or if you're out of the game. Oh, man, so if you need peace today, let God's peace rule in your heart. This is what you're called. This is how God wants you to live in peace. And it doesn't mean that everything's going to be okay. It just means that when everything's not okay, God is working and he's giving me a sense that it's going to be all right. He's going to take care of everything. And he's big enough. He's strong enough. He's great enough to handle anything that you may be going through. He said that you're called to this and be thankful. So here's how I want to end. I want to end by praying for you. Here's what I'm going to ask. Everybody, would you bow your heads right now in this moment? I'm going to ask, with nobody looking around, you to be honest. And would you just raise your hand? You said, there's an area of my life that I need peace today. Just raise your hand all over the room. Oh, man. Praise God. If that's you, you say, man, there's something I'm going through. Praise God. Maybe you're online with us and you're like, man, like, I need peace. I want to pray for you. Maybe if you don't have ultimate peace spiritually with God in a moment, I want to pray for you. But for everyone that lifted their hand, let me pray for you, Jesus. We believe that you are the prince of peace. That when you come in, you bring everything together. And life may not be looking like what I want it to look like, but you bring everything together as it should be. So I pray over everybody that raised their hand that needs peace today, that your peace would comfort them and guard their hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, that you would guard their thinking and their emotions in Christ Jesus, that when they walk out of here, they would have an inner sense that all is well with their soul because you are a promise-keeping God and you will bring us peace in the middle of a storm. Peace for my friend that's facing a diagnosis they don't like. Peace for my friend who's facing an uphill financial crisis. Peace for somebody that's struggling in their mind. Peace in the name of Jesus.